Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 64 of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we, first we'll, we'll say, sorry, we're a day late again. Yeah. Um, it just goes <laughs> to show the sort of busyness of the season. And yep. I wasn't feeling well yesterday when we would have normally recorded. And so we are here today on Wednesday uh, to record. You're but burning out, Zach. I'm burning out, <laughs> uh, as you can see in the title of the episode. And so, yeah, it is that busier time of year. And so we've been, just been talking about the busyness of what's coming, especially for Mark. I, I will say, as the, uh, the the pastor here who does most of, mostly youth work, um, the nature of my job sort of follows the school calendar. And so, mm. I do get the pleasure of having a little bit of a break between over the holidays and so on. So Mark will be the one who's talking about being so busy. I am a little bit less busy, um, especially once school's out of, out of, uh, out for Christmas break. But, Mm. uh, yeah, that sort of does bring us around to this conversation that, um, that pastors often, uh, discuss in their own time. But Mm -hmm. uh, we thought it would be interesting for, for, podcast as well realizing that probably the vast majority of our listenership is not pastors Um, and this isn't just so you can see what pastors are going through but Mm -hmm. it is to talk about sort of a cultural mood that takes place in the church Um, and so we're talking about yeah the the topic of pastoral burnout Um, one of the reasons we we have decided to broach this conversation is because of a recent survey from Barna. And so Mark, I'll let you tell Mm -hmm. a little bit about the survey and what you read there. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are sharing the results of this survey on their social media feeds. And so Barna just surveyed uh, a bunch of pastors about a year ago. And then, um, this past month, October, 2021. And, found that the number is increasing of pastors who are considering leaving ministry altogether, not just seeking a new church, but who are not really wanting to be pastors any longer, go into some other field. Um, often that kind of looks like nonprofit or um, even you know business ventures and so forth. And so 38% last month said that they are considering leaving ministry. 38% of the pastors surveyed um, it's hard to say exactly what hmm. that means. Um, I mean, everybody in their job occasionally should should hmm. think, is this God's calling for me right now? Um, yeah. That's a good sure. self-examination. And so I don't know if it would include those types of people, but um, my guess is that 38% were those who are seriously considering it, thinking a lot about it, um, Thirty-eight percent is a, so one out of three. This number, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, this number is up quite yeah. a bit from earlier this year, right? Isn't yeah, that what you were telling me. Yeah, so they they did the study earlier, even during COVID. So this isn't just the first time that the survey has been given um, since March of twenty twenty. Hmm. Um, this is sort of even during COVID that number is increasing, and hmm. last month it was at thirty-eight percent. So. Um, 
So again, I have that shared by a lot of pastors, and I've seen a lot of comments on that article, and often pastors will say, I'm surprised it's not higher, the percent of pastors who are thinking about leaving ministry. Um, I have a friend who's now a painter, uh, is not a pastor anymore, um, mm. and I know that it's it's actually a very common thing for pastors that I know uh, who are maybe getting a little bit close to retirement to stop and start driving a truck, just find something to do. It's interesting. Painting, driving a truck, just not involving people very much. Yeah. Just let, let me do my work. Let me get away. Give me a job to do, and I will go and do that job. And I don't really want that job to involve a lot of interaction with people. Mm. So um, mm. I've, I've seen that, um, that trend, you might say, um, among various pastors that I know. And, and yeah. sometimes that's a good thing for people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a criticizing pastors who would who would make that that step but at the same time um i think that that is a little bit of the reason so this is also dovetailing a little bit with of course the holiday that is tomorrow thanksgiving because (laughs) um we are not using this episode to announce our um (laughs) our 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 resignation Man, from our jobs. that would jobs be one way to do it. <laughs> through a podcast. <laughs> the most passive-aggressive pastoral thing. Um, uh, we could literally drop the mic. We're yes, done. Yes, right. We are out of here, man. Um, have a happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We could do it together at the same time, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Just leave the church like hanging. Thelma and Louise, yeah. Um, and uh, so we're really glad to be pastors. And um, yeah. every person, like I said, should think about is this really what I should be doing? And for, for me personally, the, the answer is, um, is yes, I, I sometimes feel very inadequate to do the job that I do, and I know that I make a lot of mistakes, and so I can be very frustrated with myself sometimes. And in those moments, it can be tempting to let the mind wander. But at, overall, I just feel really happy to be at Ammon Valley in particular, um, to be a pastor, yeah. and it's an amazing privilege to preach the gospel to study the Bible as much as mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm. to, and I just get the sense too that at this church, people really want me to study the Bible. That's really important. So, yeah. um, that is the number one priority for them. It's the number one priority for me, and it seems to be working pretty well. So, I'm thankful for being a pastor, and um, don't really feel burnt out, especially at this point where things are going really well at our church. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I could definitely join into that. It's a really amazing season of life. Um, mm-hmm. Getting to be here over these past four years, going on five years, uh, getting to do what I do is a real joy. Um, getting to work with the people that I work with, you, Becky, our secretary, but also mm-hmm. just the people of our church mm-hmm. uh, that I work with, uh, making lifelong friends, mm-hmm. uh, people of all ages. Um, some of my best friends here are over the age of 75. And so yeah, yeah. I I really appreciate that. Um, And yeah, getting to teach the word of God to people and study it for myself and getting to see life change happen, getting to see people um, Mm -hmm. who grow in their faith, Mm -hmm. getting to see kids especially grow in their faith is an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, Just thinking about, yeah, the simple things that we do at youth youth group. um, Mm -hmm it's really cool that I get to just teach the word or seeing light bulbs come on in my adult Sunday school class or Mm. getting to pray with people about what's going on in their lives. I don't know. Part of me thinks maybe I'm just a natural people lover. Mm. 
even though I'm quite introverted at the end of the day, uh, my wife will tell you that I love people very well. Um, and I'm just the kind of person that I want to be your friend before I get to mm. know you. That's just my nature. <laughs> and so this is a great job for me. Mm. Uh, mm. I don't even really think of it as a job. And of course that's the, that's the bad word. I know so people will say it's not a job. <laughs> a Being calling. a pastor is not a job is a, it's a vocation. <laughs> yeah. It's a calling. Um, but <laughs> I really do, yeah, enjoy what I do. And I look forward to coming in uh, to the office. I look forward to doing visits. I look forward to teaching. Mm. Um, yeah, so th- this is a good time to, to sit back and to say I'm thankful for, mm-hmm. for the opportunity to be here and to be a pastor at this church. Yeah, we get that front row seat um, for yeah. suffering and for uh, some hardships that people go through, but we also get the front row seat for, like you said, those light bulb moments where... Mm-hmm. Um, just really good times with people and really the front row seat also for God's kingdom and God's word and the work yeah. of the spirit too. Um, what a privilege it is to to think hard about uh, spiritual matters so much, both internally for myself mm-hmm. and uh, externally for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a healthy church is such a blessing um, yeah. And that's a blessing that we give God credit for. It's not like because Zach and I are like good pastors or whatever that it was the church healthy is before healthy. we got here. Yeah, and uh, and that's <laughs> that's the work of the Spirit for sure. Um, and and we get that that insight into you know like even just getting an email from a person after a sermon, mm-hmm. um, which we are at a very encouraging church um, mm-hmm. where people will say, "Wow, that really helped me to understand this thing that I went through." Or yeah. Um, thank you for praying for my son who, hmm. um, you know, is, is so encouraged when he hears his name in church. You know, all those things are happening because the Spirit is moving here. And so um, we are yeah. not a perfect church. Um, we are not perfect pastors, but God is doing great things among um, broken vessels at this point uh, yeah. filled with his Spirit. So um, so we are, are thankful, but... Uh, you know, at the same time, there are struggles, and so that's a little bit of what we'll talk about in this episode. Um, not so much our personal struggles as much as just what ministry really looks like from our perspective overall. Um, and uh, I, I can't help but jump to Second Corinthians, um, what is it, chapter 11, I think, yeah, where the Apostle Paul is talking about his ministry struggles and... Um, First world problems jump to mind pretty quickly when you compare what we endure with what the Apostle Paul endured in his ministry. Um, he talks about in, in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three mm-hmm. times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And um, in in the end, in, in verse 30 of 2 Corinthians 11, um, what does the Apostle Paul do with all this suffering? He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And uh, this is all preceding his famous uh, 
a rem- reminder that God's power is made perfect in weakness. That's why he's mm. boasting is because he's knowing Christ more. He's displaying the um, sufficiency of Christ in his life. He is even able to teach um, more powerfully, I would guess, in those positions of suffering. And um, he's learning about the suffering also of Christ himself, who suffered even greater torment mm. than, than we possibly could in his own earthly ministry. And so um, so Paul is saying, I'm boasting in what is showing my weakness. And I couldn't help but think of how countercultural that is for American evangelical uh, Christianity right now. Um, hmm. I, I think that uh, it is very common right now for people to uh, give the list of their struggles, um, almost trying to convince you how much of a martyr they are and how you should be so impressed or you should feel so sorry for me mm-hmm. because of all these hard things that I have to endure. And so that's not why Paul shares his list in Second Corinthians 11. He shares the list because he says, Christ is sufficient. I'm still glad to be a minister. I'm glad to be a Christian. I'm going to boast in these things that show my weakness because you know what? God is still doing something even mm-hmm. after I get shipwrecked or beaten up or uh, <laughs> left for dead. Um, and... And I think that's that's kind of where we want to go with this conversation, is um, even as we talk about difficult things of being a pastor, uh, it is not the intention is not to make anyone feel sorry for us or elevate us in their mind as oh suffering for the gospel what what great men they are but <laughs> but to say gospel ministry is difficult sometimes but it is beautiful because we're getting to know Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole point of what Paul is saying here. Mm -hmm. He's not just trying to stack up these complaints uh, to make himself seem like he's the victim. Um, I think Paul would have known better than anybody that the ministry he was endeavoring to do was going to cost him everything, which is why he did it, which is why he put up with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Ministry is, in fact, hard work. And there does seem to be um, common things you'll hear from from pastors about sort of a, a woe is me uh, sort of thing. And this isn't to say that we're trying to throw throw shade on other pastors. Sometimes it um, is good to lament. Yeah, yeah and sometimes in pastors, biblical. when they gather together, will do that yeah. uh, because they'll share those common causes of pain that they have together, and that, that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And there's some healing that can happen um, in those conversations. Uh, but I think part of being a pastor means recognizing what you signed up for. Um, a lot of people, and this is true, maybe of even most, most pastors who go into the office do so with this burning desire to tell people about Jesus. That's a great thing. Um, I can remember a meme I saw in seminary, which really made me laugh. Um, it, something from Adam Sandler, I think, forget which movie, but it was uh, him walking into a classroom and then he's turning around and he's making a really bad face. And the meme says something like, I, I, I came into seminary to tell people about Jesus. I didn't realize I'd be learning all these things about church history or about conjugations and Greek verbs and, Mm. and different crazy theological arguments that have happened over the history of the church. Um, But that's all part of it. And yeah. I think that meme speaks to like this desire of pastors to just, you know, the romanticized, mm. I'm going to be preaching the gospel. And that's, that is what we do. But there are difficulties that come into it. Um, mm. And 
So those struggles are, are very prevalent. Uh, the, the job of a pastor is something that's never done. Hmm. Uh, you never hit that complete like success mountain where your church is just perfectly holy and perfectly healthy and everything is great. There's always a mixture of joys and a mixture of sorrows um, and struggles as, as a pastor, um, both in your work life as a pastor and then mm-hmm. also in your personal life mm-hmm. uh, with your family and wife and children and so on. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, military language about, you know, that Paul uses. Hmm. And uh, I think that it's helpful language because you do have to be tough sometimes. Hmm. And just like a soldier getting ready for battle, you you got to learn to be tough. You know, and, and uh, before we even recorded this, I, I said, I think the greatest struggle for me as a pastor is to be sensitive while also being tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, not thick-skinned, but um, you got to power through different things. Um, compartmentalize mm-hmm. occasionally. If somebody, <laughs> I've had it happen where a, a pastor, a, C, a retired CRC pastor, uh, stopped me in the foyer and criticized me right as I was walking into Sunday morning service. Oh man. You know? And, and so, uh, he was of visiting, all people, he, was visiting. he had heard, he'd watched a live stream. He didn't like something that I had said, which was actually a, a ridiculous, um, criticism. Was this the, our sin or your sin? Uh, it thing? was a different thing. I think okay. I, I, yeah. So it was a super nitpicky thing. Okay. And so I was criticized literally as I was walking, it was, I was standing between the, the doors going into the sanctuary and so you do have to compartmentalize to a certain extent and say, okay, I'm just going to have to deal with that on Tuesday. And right now I, I am glad to be in God's house and I am glad to be leading these people in worship. What a privilege it is. So you have to shift really mm-hmm. quickly. But uh, the, the catch comes with doing that too often can make one callous. And mm-hmm. so I think that uh, that's... <laughs> that's where Christ is the remedy because he was perfect in, hmm. in did he go and mope whenever the Pharisee, Pharisees criticized him? No, sometimes he, he dished it out right back at him. Sometimes hmm. it seems like he kind of just walked away and hmm. a- asked a really insightful question of the Pharisees and didn't really give them much of an answer and then walked away from them. Hmm. Um, and so he, he was perfectly wise of course and that is and, and and never became callous of course towards the suffering of people uh, hmm. when Jesus sees these hungry people on the hillside the Bible says he looked on them and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd he, he didn't criticize them for coming all the way out to the wilderness wilderness and not bringing their lunch with them it was just this this thing that the situation that was the situation and Jesus had compassion in it hmm. um but neither was he sort of a, a pushover hmm. either um and and I think that Paul is getting at that by listing a lot of these struggles that he's gone through it has not impeded his ability uh, or even his desire to hmm. continue his ministry um in fact if anything it's just brought him closer to Christ now that's easy for me to say because I have not suffered a lot in my ministry. Yeah, you've not at, suffered like Paul, <laughs> right? Yeah, and uh, I, I just realized I was ordained ten years ago this past Saturday, so I've been a pastor for ten years, and I have not suffered 
Uh, I've not been fired. Mm-hmm. I have not had a faction against me in a church. And, and I know that that is very painful for pastors yeah. um, and for their families. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I think it is important to, hey, um, scriptures point us to lament, but also to trust, to mm-hmm. trust God in those moments. Um, yeah. So uh, we're going to get through maybe a few of the, the possible reasons why, why pastors struggle. Um, what would be the first one that you might think of in terms of uh, a regular struggle of a pastor that would contribute to burnout? Hmm. That's a tough question. Hmm. Um, I think just anecdotally from what I've seen, I think it's the disappointment Mm. factor that pastors feel um, when their parishioners and their congregants don't seem to be changing um, as fast as they would like them to. They don't see (laughs) the sort of life transformation um, happening on the scale that they would like to see it happening. Um, And so getting, I think, upset a little bit or or um, despairing or just being a little bit dismayed that your your congregation is not is not changing um, and their lives aren't being I don't know realigned to what you think should be the case mm. um, on your timeline and so it that, could be especially discouraging if you expand that out to the community isn't changing yeah. either so like not only is that an internal struggle of the church but, oh, we're just not impact the community that I live in. Just mm-hmm. people aren't interested in the gospel. Or yeah, if like you that. have a very transformationalist outlook mm-hmm. and, and, and ministry, um, yeah, that could be the case. And then it could, and it could really make you wonder, am I doing things right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could cause so much inner, I don't know, turmoil uh, for you as a pastor, wondering if maybe this is not what you're made for, not what you're cut out for, uh, that your gifts are aren't equal to the to the need um or it just may make you really angry at everyone um -hmm. yeah there's there's stories that we've heard of of that sort of thing where pastors just get really upset that their congregation is not not more like them um to put it frankly Mm -hmm. and so sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's you're, you're not seeing as much holiness and holiness and growth and holiness as you would like to see um, and so that can be a little bit disappointing or other times if you're a pastor with more of a political leaning in one way mm. or the other and you, your congregation seems to be the opposite of you, that can be really, really difficult. Um, and so that's, that's something that comes to mind for me. Maybe if I thought more about this, that particular question, what are the, what's the main reason for pastors? But that would be my guess, uh, just disappointment in your flock. Yeah, the word fit comes to mind, I think, in terms of that disappointment aspect, mm. where um, if I know, if I think of pastors that I know, uh, not really right now, but historically that I know who have struggled with their churches, mm-hmm. it's been like um, a matter of fit. So what yeah. what this pastor thinks ministry should look like is mm-hmm. really not what these people in this context are all that much, all that excited about. Mm-hmm. Um there could be any number of reasons for that, of course. Uh, often it looks like the job description, the, the pastor thinks the job description should have 
uh, community engagement at the top of the list, and mm-hmm. the church thinks the pa- the that visiting the elderly should be at the top of the list, and yeah. um, from there comes uh, it's kind of the uh, just two people that aren't people or entities that aren't going to change, um, or the spirit decides not to bring change towards one or the other and it just doesn't hmm. kind of work out in the long run so yeah. uh, I've, I've seen that I think the word fit often comes to mind and even as a pastor uh, maybe if anybody's listening to this who would ever think about being a pastor that's that's what you look for in a church are my priorities mm-hmm. in line with the priorities of, of this church or Am I going to go to a church hoping to change the number one priority? It's yeah, like, uh, that's a really interesting question too because that opens up the whole other question about should churches feel free to choose what their priority is for their church mm. or should all churches yeah. have the same exact priorities because those are instituted in scripture? Right. And so would it be right for a church to say, we're going to be the community changing church mm-hmm. and then for another church to say, yeah, we're going to really push care for our senior citizens um, or... Or is that refugee wrong? resettlement or yeah, yeah, yeah. any number of things. Yeah. Or should the church just be the church and wherever we go, the same priorities are the same. That's that's a whole other yeah. philosophical question. But I think you're right. Fitness is a good thing. And I don't mean fitness as in health, but <laughs> the, the level of being fit for uh, the church and being a good fit, being um, on the same page, I think. And there's always going to be a level yeah. of of unfitness um, where a pastor and a church don't exactly see eye to eye. That's of course part of the point of having a pastor is so that your church will be uh, directed and guided uh, spiritually Mm. um, in a, in a path that is for your best. Um, Yeah. And I would even say in second Corinthians, Paul would kind of celebrate that, hmm. that um, iron sharpening iron. You yeah, know, and we often think of that on in individual terms, but that happens with the pastor. I, as I have been refined into what I should be doing by the congregation's expectation of me, yeah, and that also happens church-wise as well, where maybe our people are being refined in their understanding of what church is, or what a Christian should do, or what a pastor should mm-hmm. be preaching about. So, I think Paul would celebrate that. There's no such thing as the pastor who will just get plugged in, even if you planted the church, mm-hmm. um, to this just like perfect fit. Uh, that that's it can be good for us to be out of that comfort zone, mm-hmm. and that's often where Christ does a lot of work of refining, um, refining our understanding of Him or what ministry should be. So. Yeah, um, so you can't just have a pastor yeah. who comes in fits all of the perfect needs and desires of the church. Um, it just pats everybody on the back. There should be times where a pastor says, uh, no, this church needs to change in this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there are practices here. There's a culture here. There's uh, ways in which this church is not not living up to what God's word has called us to, and that needs to change. And so a pastor shouldn't just come in and be the, the, the let's pat everybody on the back kind of guy, but it should, there should be some prof- prophetic nature to a pastor's ministry and calling yeah. the church forward, calling the church out, and calling the church into further holiness. Um, yeah, and then the it goes the other way too, where hopefully then the pastor can also yes. be open to some correction. Change I, and correction, I, for sure. I, I know of a, sure. a situation that ended really badly where a pastor, um, the church shrunk. I, I don't know if people moved away or what happened, 
but mm-hmm. um, the church shrunk and they had to let go of a staff member. And so then they said to the pastor, mm-hmm. well, we're going to need for you to, we're going to adjust your job description a little bit. And, you know, you would have think that they told him he needed to, to start robbing banks as a part of his job. It was like, he basically freaked out. No, mm-hmm. that's not why you hired me. That's not what I'm called to do. That's not in my gifting. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it was a, a messy breakup over the course of about seven or eight months, mm. and it really damaged the church overall. Mm. And when I was, I was talking with this pastor while he was going through this, and I said, "Can't you just grin and bear it and start looking for a call um, instead of you know mm-hmm. doing all this uh, stuff that you're you know kind of dragging your counsel through?" And it was like, "No, they've got to they've got to learn their lesson. They mm. can't expect a pastor to to do these things and." Um, and so I think that that openness from the pastoral perspective of, hey, um, it's kind of like the person who shows up at the construction site. Hey, tell me, put me to work. Uh, t- tell me, yeah. send me in the direction that I should go. Um, hopefully that is in line to some extent with gifting. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes a pastor, <laughs> you know, both you and I mm-hmm. have to do things that we don't really always like to do. I um <laughs> This yeah, I'm not. True. I'm not the greatest like event planner, detail oh, guy, and that's a lot of being a youth pastor, <laughs> right? And and but it's it's just part of the job sometimes of being yeah. a pastor. And so um, to just say that's not in my job description. Yeah, the hardest um, day of my year is the chili cook-off. <laughs> that's the hardest like week of the year, really. Um, All the details by right? far. Yeah. Uh, people will say, well, at least you don't have to like give like a message. You know, you don't have to write a a sermon. <laughs> Let me tell you, I would much rather write a sermon f- 10 times out of 10 than coordinate a dinner and fundraiser and volunteers, and it's it's chaos. But yeah. um, So uh, to, to <laughs> back to the, the original point, though, of like burnout, I, I, I have hmm. seen pastors burn out who, who think they know, they just know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, and and they're not they're just not doing that in the mm. calling and some sometimes that's a fair reason to leave a church yeah. but other times it's like oh well maybe adjusting your expectations at the time could also be helpful i i would say in addition to that there's just the weight of people issues yeah yep uh, and that would be something that that we as pastors face um of intense grief of even people who are dying who die mm-hmm. um people who we love who mm-hmm. are really a part of our, our lives or a part of our family. We have a staff member, Pastor Phil, who uh, yeah. passed away um, sort of early in the in the COVID time. It wasn't from COVID, but he had lung cancer. And, and there's just that uh, emotional stuff that happens when people are in relationship with one another. And for mm-hmm. some pastors... Um, it, it's just they've got to get away from that, mm-hmm. um, and so that that would be uh, one reason that pastors burn out. You might say that's putting it kind of callously, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I I, uh, I definitely see the value of taking the regular day off um, and being not militant about it. Like if somebody had to have a funeral on a Monday, I would do that and then take Tuesday off or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, guarding that day and my Saturday mornings pretty hmm. pretty well, just because I need that break to be with my family and to love them and mm-hmm. to have the the mental break from the people issues that are facing. Yeah, yeah, yeah and not just the grief side of ministry, yeah. but 
you know, loving people and seeing them uh, go go down paths that mm. you really feel like aren't their best, aren't aren't for their best, aren't for their their holiness or for their joy. Um, yeah, not seeing them in church and how that takes yeah. a toll of just knowing, man, I know that what's best for them would be to be here on Sunday with yeah. us, worshiping, singing, hearing the word, and they just don't care. Mm-hmm. So I think that that takes mm-hmm. a toll as well on the pastor. Yeah, and becoming friends with people, mm-hmm. but seeing them even leave your church or things like that, that can be yeah. really, really difficult. Um, yeah, and I just think just overall feeling the spiritual burden of um, having a church to care for. Not to say that the pastor is the singular person doing this. This is part of the elders and deacons and really everybody's responsibility to the, to everyone else. Um, but the pastor feels a deep burden for people. And so mm-hmm. it's really difficult. Um, yeah. And I think being a pastor can um, make friendships even different because you can't take off your pastor hat completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are going to see you as a pastor. Um, it's so, in your name now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pastor Mark yeah. or just pastor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, which is a privilege to for sure, but it is a, an yeah. identity thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so having that sort of vulnerability, it's, 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 it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's lots of these human complications for for ministry. Um, this isn't to say anything of other complications from without the church, from outside, um, like just the opposition that people face or that Christians face today, and just being a sort of it's it's a tough place to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough place to minister uh, because of the sort of post-Christian, if we want to call it that, world that we we live in um there's i know both you and i mark we both feel that there are people in our lives who very much hate that we are christians even mm-hmm. though they may they may love us and we may have a good relationship with them mm-hmm. um we're kind of seen as being a little crazy for believing the things we believe and yeah that sort of stuff i mean that's not unique to pastors but 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 it does take an interesting it, it may, there's an interesting application of that for pastors. So it's one thing for somebody to hate that you're a Christian, but that's it's our job to get up and teach these things that people hate, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. And so, um, I and we have I, to say, I actually have a position on things. Exactly. Instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm not really sure. We kind of have to take a stance. Yeah, and uh, and often that stance will be against the flow of culture. And mm-hmm. so there's a certain amount of emotional investment that happens in a sermon. And in particular, it's a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. And so to have a, a sermon or a message or even like a, for you, like a, a retreat or something like that, if you're leading it and, and somebody would criticize something about it, mm-hmm. well, it was a very personal thing that you chose mm-hmm. a topic or a plan or even an event that you thought the kids would love. Um, yeah, it, it, that's in every job to a certain extent, but I think there is something distinctly personal also about the sermon itself. Mm-hmm. And this is what I've been thinking about, and I'm going to present this now to the church. Um, oh yeah, so there's a lot of vulnerability that goes into a sermon. Yeah, yeah. and and so um, 
that is just, I mean, that's kind of a weighty thing, even when things are going well. And then when there is uh, criticism or factionalism or stress from outside, um, then that kind of adds to just mm-hmm. the weight. Uh, again, I know of another pastor who, who kind of just had to stop being a pastor because of the, the, the toll that weekly sermon preparation was taking on him emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really respect this pastor for being honest about that. Yeah. Um, and, and I could see that a little bit. Um, part of the thing even for me is I, I preach so much at Ammon Valley, um, mm-hmm. pretty much two sermons, not every single week, but it ends up being about 80 sermons a year. That That's actually kind of good for me in mm-hmm. moving on to the next thing. Uh, I know that the trend right now is for lead pastors, preaching pastors, to preach less, like maybe 35 times a year hmm. um, and get a lot of pulpit supply. Almost no churches have evening services. And so yeah. to preach less to me would almost be more stressful because hmm. then it would be like... It's more important. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, it, um, it's got to be just uh, curated and crafted and it's got to be perfect because mm-hmm. um, I'm only going to get those 35 chances. Whereas now right, I'm kind right. of in the flow of, oh, well, what's the next text? Uh, what's the next part of the Belgic confession? Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes a little bit less personal when you're cranking them out a mm. little bit. And so I think that that's generally a good thing for me. Um, it's still very personal, of course. Um, mm. and, and getting a sermon criticism does sting. But uh, again, I'm thankful to be in a, congregation that's so encouraging it, i know not all pastors are and that can take a toll yeah yeah um that's something i've felt and i don't even preach that much um i preach i don't know maybe maybe 15 sermons a year and that's including my pulpit supply mm. um outside of just our church uh but but yeah feeling getting getting criticism for a sermon can be really hard because there's a lot of it just it feels so personal mm. um which shouldn't always feel that way but it's true and then thinking about this whole pastoral burnout thing and the numbers that we've seen more recently Mm. the jump i think you did you say before we started recording that was 28 percent of pastors so that they were feeling burnout in january of this of 2021 yeah it had gone up in double digits in the last now in october it's at 38 percent that's that's pretty incredible um and so I would think a lot of it has to do with just what's going on inside yeah. the life of the church today. Yeah. Um, how much of the of this do you think it just has to do with COVID and the pressures that have been put on pastors? Um, most churches, as far as I can tell, uh, are pretty divided on, hmm. I'm talking members of churches are divided on things like how to handle COVID. Yeah, Should we wear masks? Yeah. Should we not wear masks? Uh, now the big thing, of course, which we just did an episode on is vaccines. Um, and so pastors having to feel the weight of making the best decisions at the best times uh, for what their churches do. And then you have lots of people on either side who are really up, get really upset about things. Mm-hmm. And so I think before COVID, a lot of these issues were sort of beneath the surface and everybody could kind of just get along for the most part. Oh, yeah. And now that these political ideologies have really come to the fore, everybody sort of, it's kind of known because of the mask thing, that that externalized <laughs> political positions. Yeah. Um, if somebody wasn't wearing it, that says something. If they are wearing it, it says something. Um, and so people kind of see the 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 distance between themselves and so pastors being the 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 people 
uh, trying to lead a congregation who is divided, that can be a really deep struggle, I think, for, for pastors. Yeah, it's it's been apocalyptic in the sense of um, apocalypse means revealing, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. in, in the, the sense of the return of Christ being apocalyptic. It's it's the the revealing of Christ in his kingly glory for before our eyes. Now, this is apocalyptic yeah. in the sense of revealing what how people make decisions. I think that that's been yeah. uh, something that probably has surprised some pastors um just how how important that political filter is and how prevalent it is mm-hmm. in um how they make decisions about vaccines or masks or gathering for worship. Um, and yeah. look, let's all be honest. We all have those filters. Um, and this revealed mm-hmm. what they are for a lot of people. And, and so, added that on top, add COVID on top of the Trump yeah. presidency and sure. the can- election campaigns has. And the Black Lives Matter movement. Made it and, yeah. All, yeah. And yeah. Black Lives Matter. It's made this all con- converge right at the right time yeah together it's like the stars have aligned and <laughs> it's become a really difficult time to be a pastor in that regard um yeah and that's where i just go back to paul's second corinthians of uh boasting in what makes us weak and so both of us would certainly say after covid we realize more than ever we are not the ones that hold this church together it is yeah. the spirit it is the word of God. It's this amazing work of Christ that continues in the world um, that inspires people to give their money to the church and um, that pays our salary and um, <laughs> and inspires people to arrive for worship. And so uh, it's been a, a learning time. It's been apocalyptic in that regard as well. Hmm. I think that it's revealed how little we actually do to... Um, to make things happen, you might say, because in, in our church, we're blessed that things are happening and, and it's amazing. And it's not because of our ingenuity mm-hmm. um, or because we're just like such great pastors, but God will not allow for a disease to ruin hmm. um, his church broadly. And I would even say confidently at this point, our individual church is not going to be ruined or torn apart by the COVID-19 pandemic. So, yeah. um, and so thanks be to God really in that regard. But I know that that's not, if, if somebody doesn't have that ministry model or idea of that pneumatology at work, Hmm. um, that the spirit is what holds all this together. If they forget this and it's me who holds it all together, um, worst case scenario, I've heard pastors committing suicide, Mm -hmm. um, that happened in Southern California, a mega church pastor, who had a lot of psychological issues sort of already kind of saw himself as the the tie that binds everything together and you just can't carry that weight. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there are there are pastors who feel that way and that will lead to burnout uh, because yeah. it's it's really it's not just based on an external cultural thing that's happening. It's based on a a bad theological idea about what ministry is. Right. So yeah, that's another reason to <clears throat> to have a good understanding of what the church is as a pastor. Yeah, and uh, what the spirit does versus having, like what yeah. I'm responsible to do. Like yeah, the having the right pneumatology or understanding of the spirit because 
yeah, if we think that we are the ones keeping it all together, we are That's certainly not. That is, you're done. You're toast. <laughs> you are. Um, yeah. Putting all the responsibility on your on your own shoulders, that's not going to be good. That is the temptation of some, though. Um, because and, it feels good when we see a success yeah. there, and it's like yeah. our That's thing. me. That's what I just did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's toxic in both ways because it could puff you up um, superficially or it could destroy you. Yeah. Um, so what is one resource then for, for pastors or people who are really struggling with mm-hmm. Just feeling burnt out by by ministry or by life in general. Yeah, the favorite resource that I would suggest to people, the best book I've read on this is called Zeal Without Burnout by Christopher Ashe, a British pastor. And he's a very good preacher as well. And so if you could find Christopher Ashe's sermons, they are excellent. Um, But he wrote a book called Zeal Without Burnout. Hmm. And um, it's written for a lay audience. It's not just for pastors. So if anybody is feeling burnt out on teaching Sunday school or volunteering for youth group or um, pastoral ministry itself. It's a great book with a lot of very practical tips. Like I know one of the tips in that book is take a day off every week because the world doesn't depend on you and making sure you get everything done. Hmm. Um, And there's a lot of other practical things in there too. Uh, I like the book because it encourages engagement in ministry. I think that these burnout conversations often go in the direction of withdrawal. Yeah. So the remedy for burnout is withdrawal. And self-care. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical, I don't mm-hmm. think. It, it, Jesus, it, it says, often withdrew to a solitary place to pray. So withdrawal is good, and taking time away is good. But I think that sometimes pastors will think, oh, all I need is a sabbatical to fix this feeling that I have about why ministry isn't going well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or they, they lower their weekly work hours, hmm. um, thinking that that would be the solution. Christopher Ash in his book says, zeal is good. Be zealous about the Lord. Hmm. Um, you know, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, right? As yeah. Isaiah's words. And um, that's the Lord's zeal himself, but but we should be zealous hmm. as well in, in our desire to work hard and to do ministry but to do so wisely will prevent that burnout. So I, I think we, we talk about the double ditch. The one is is burnout from overworking. <laughs> the other is laziness. <laughs> um, and that uh, that withdrawal can often tend into laziness from, yeah. from sort of what I've seen. You know, um, I, I'm having a kid, and even as a dad, I'm going to take three months off. Like, I, I, I don't think that that is... Hmm. the zeal that the Lord requires of a pastor. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, this has hopefully been uh, very helpful for you in thinking about um, what what ministry is like these days and just to sort of hear, this is kind of like a state, state of the church sort of episode. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah. Just what's going on for pastors. And so in some ways, yeah, it explains uh, our situation as pastors. But, um, hopefully there's been a lot that you've learned as well. Uh, this hasn't been to complain about it, but just to explain what's going on from our perspective. And so we hope that the, the tone overall of this is that we are genuinely thankful both to mm-hmm. our church, uh, but more, more so to the Lord himself for what we get to do, uh, that we get to be a part of his 
ministry to the world and making all things new. We get to be ambassadors of the kingdom of Christ, that we get to proclaim grace and see grace, God's grace transforming the world around us and people's lives. Uh, and so, yeah, anything else to, to add to that, Mark? Well, yeah, I just I do want to say I'm thankful. And in those hard moments, which we have, um, you know, we, leaning into the Lord, trusting God, I think that that's where mm. you always want to go. Um, instead of the the modern therapeutic methods about, uh, mm. you know, um, self, like you said, the self care. Look, there's a, there's an element of, of value to that. There absolutely is. Sure, but yeah. trust in the Lord. You know, uh, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. I think that that's that's really where I would want to go with somebody who's struggling with burnout. Is mm. is not just to say. Oh, you need to get away. No, you need to, you need to lean into the Lord and trust Him. Do not worry about today mm-hmm. or, or about tomorrow. It has enough trouble for its own, and so God is good today. Trust yeah, that. Well, making the Lord your resource for energy. Yeah, um, that's the only hope. That's yeah. the only path forward. Yeah, uh, not just in pastoral ministry, but in the Christian life at all. So thank you guys for listening and we will be with you again next week. Go ahead, like, share, comment, subscribe, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And we will be with you guys next week. Grace and peace. See ya.